Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. I want to talk to you today from a topic that I titled, From Stained to Trained. Well, let me just start off with a story. Yesterday, I took the family to BurgerFi. How many of you guys think there's going to be BurgerFi in heaven, right? Not as good as Shake Shack, but BurgerFi is up there. So I took the family, Luca and Carly, out to BurgerFi, and, you know, we were enjoying our meals, our BurgerFi cheeseburgers. We love getting the urban fries. Have you guys had from the secret menu? The urban fries are French fries with herbs, Parmesan cheese and garlic aioli. I got one of those fries and it was a loaded one from the top. You know, it was like in slow motion. I was taking it to my mouth and all of a sudden a blob of that garlic aioli just falls on my shirt. And I tried to get it out as soon as possible, but I had a huge stain in my shirt. One that I was parading through Whole Foods. I had to go to Whole Foods to do the groceries with Carly. And then I took Luca to Vizcaya Park for a little while so he could play with his friends. And all the while, I was with this huge stain. How many of you guys are clumsy when you eat? Raise your hand. (laughs) That's the problem. I'm usually not clumsy. I'm usually a clean person. Usually it's my wife getting messy. Oh, she'll be the first one to say it. She says, I'm a klutz when it comes to eating. But that's what makes it frustrating, right? Because I'm not used to it. And I have this huge blob and I'm walking all over Whole Foods and all over these places with a huge blob. I've used the shout wipes. I've used the the Tide pens. They just don't work for me. I don't know. Maybe I don't know how to operate them, right? But it never helps me remove the stain. It's very frustrating. Speaking about stains, the Bible tells us that every single one of us are born with a stain. Tell the person next to you, you're born stained. It's not an option. We're born with the stain, the stain of sin. Today I'm going to share quite a few scriptures. So if you guys got your phones, your tablets, your paper Bibles, open them up. The first verse we're going to check out is Psalms chapter 51, verse 9. And just to prove this point that we're all stained, we all were born stained. The psalmist says here, and I'm reading off the New Living Translation, Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. The psalmist was telling God, look, I'm stained. I'm flawed, right? I I make mistakes. I have have these things. And this is Old Testament. Obviously, Jesus hadn't died yet, you know, and the Bible talks about that. And we'll get to that and what Jesus did for our stains or for our sins. I want you to jump to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 22. And this one I'm going to read off the NIV version And it says, although you wash yourself with soap and use an abundance of cleansing powder, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the sovereign Lord. So if there's anything that we could, any conclusion we could draw from these two verses is what, JTP Church, is that we're stained, stained with sin. Just like I was walking around Whole Foods and Burger Fi and Vizcaya Park with a huge blob We have been stained by sin, every single one of us. Now, unlike my experience with Tide and Shout, there's a stain remover that can cleanse our stain. How many thank God for that? Just because you're stained, just because you're flawed, just because you messed up, 
just because you failed God in, in a certain way doesn't mean it's all over. It means that there's an opportunity to be able to come to the feet of Christ and be transformed and renewed. Now, obviously, the Bible says that we have to stay away from sin, and God gives us the power through a relationship with the Holy Ghost and a relationship with Jesus to overcome sin. And look what Isaiah chapter 53 says. I'm going to read verse 3 through 5 now through the New King James Version. Isaiah 53, 3, 4, and 5. Talking about Jesus, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. How many of you guys would like to be described with those descriptions? Not too popular, but Jesus made himself that for you and me. A man of sorrows, a man acquainted with grief. You know what that means? We don't, we'd rather be acquainted with a lot of other things. We like to be acquainted with money. Anybody say Amen. Acquainted with things that are good. But Jesus was acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. There's no ifs about this. There's no doubt about it. It says, surely he has borne our griefs. He carried our sins. He carried our stain on the cross. And also our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Every time Jesus was whipped, that cause of that whip was your sin and my sin. That's what it means here. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So everybody say, Jesus did his part. He did his part. And unarguably, it was the toughest part. But there's two parts that need to happen in order for you to be stained removed or unstained. We started off saying that every single one of us were born stained with the stain of sin. But there is hope. Now, Jesus did his part. I want to get to our part now. We must be involved in the process for our stain to be removed. And I want you to go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised them from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, everybody say, with my mouth. That's why after most of the services, we always do a calling and we say, if anybody here wants to give their life to Jesus, if anybody here wants to turn their life over to Jesus and declare that he is your savior and understand and confess that you're a sinner and say, God, I need your blood because I am stained. I need you. This is why we do this every single service, because even though Jesus died on the cross, if you don't confess it with your mouth, the fact that you're stained and you're the sinner, and if you don't also receive Jesus in your heart, then you can't have that stain removed. There's just one part of the equation that happened, which is Jesus dying on the cross 2,000 years ago. But if you don't receive it, then it's not going to be effective. But it says here that when we confess with our mouth, and not just confess, but what? Believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead. He is no longer in the tomb. How many thank God for that? How many can give God praise for the fact that Jesus is alive? 
then you will be saved. So Jesus had to die on the cross. We have to accept the sacrifice of Jesus that cleanse our sins, and then we are saved. Amen? You're not saved because you're a good person. You're not saved because you gave a lot of money to the church, although you should do those things. You should be a good person. It's good to be generous. The Bible says that God blesses you when you're generous. But those things don't determine your salvation. Your salvation is determined based on you giving your life to Jesus and saying, God, I want to start living your way. How many say amen to that? So Jesus paid a huge price to come and remove our stain. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 and 19. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. How many say amen? Can anybody say unstained the Bible says that it doesn't matter what color or what size or how depraved or how bad your sin was. If you come to Christ, if your sins were like crimson red, like the worst they could be, God will turn them white as snow. How many say thanks to the Lord? How many are grateful for that? And then he says that if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. How many of you guys want to eat of the good of the land? I don't know about you, but I sure do. So Jesus paid a huge price to come and remove our stain, but here's what I want to get to. Most of you guys, if not all, already made that commitment to follow Jesus all the days of your life. One day you came here to the altar on a day like today, and you opened your heart, and you said, God, I want to follow you all the days of my life. I want to give my life over to you. You will be from this day on the Lord of my life. So once unstained, once Jesus pardoned, what happens? Well, now you must be trained. I want you to touch the person next to you and tell them, once unstained, you must be trained. I'm going to say something bold. If you're not willing to be trained, I doubt you're unstained. Because some people are willing to come to church and say a prayer and even attend, but are not willing to be trained by God. Just God. Giving his son Jesus so that you could be pardoned is so that you could be trained to reach other people. Part of this process, part of the Christian life, when you say, I'm a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus. You can't be a follower of somebody if you don't let yourself be trained by the person that you're following. If you're not willing to be trained, if you're just wanting a comfortable life or God to help you when you have a need, but then you're not willing to do anything in favor of the kingdom, then you know what? I don't know if you're unstained. Your commitment to Jesus and his cause reveals your level of gratefulness. How I respond to this huge sacrifice that Jesus did for me on the cross to save me, to redeem me, shows my gratefulness. And it shows how much I'm willing to do for he who gave his life for me. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, highlight this if you have it in your Bible. Let us lay aside every weight. I don't know what's your weight today. Your weight may not be the same as my weight. There's weights that always try to hold us down, and that's what weight does. Have you ever seen those joggers that they jog and then they tie weights around their ankles so they could work on their quads and their legs? 
to make it a little bit more strenuous. And weight always holds you down. When you try to anchor a boat, there's a weight that you bring down, right? And hopefully that weight gets caught on the bottom and it holds the boat stable. Weight holds you down. So God is saying, lay aside every weight. What's keeping you grounded that doesn't let you be used by God? What's keeping you grounded? It doesn't allow you to serve God in the capacity that he wants to use you. So here the author in Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight. Name it what you want to name it. And the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If I grab one of you guys, if I grab two of you guys and we go out to the parking lot and you're both equal in speed and I put you guys to race, but I strap some weights around the ankles of one of them, who's going to end up winning? The person without a weight, right? Because these weights, they slow you down. They hold you back. You can't run with endurance the race that God has set you when you have all these weights going on. And let me push it a little bit further. You can't run with endurance if you have no training. Do you know how many people have died, literally died, collapsed, because they tried to run a marathon and they've never done it and they had no training? Google it. I did it yesterday. I Googled dying while running a marathon. I was surprised. Seriously. I was curious to know. And a bunch of people have just collapsed. And not just because they have heart disorders and they, that they didn't know, but they just did not have the proper training. When I read this, that he's telling us, look, lay aside every weight. Lay aside the sin. Sin and weight. It's not the same thing. Sin is one thing. And then weight are distractions. And these are the two things that keep us from serving God and from being trained to be the people that God has called us to be. Sin keeps us from growing and from being able to serve God. But also distractions when we don't put God in first place and we put other people in first place or other things. So you can't run with endurance if you have no training. Everybody say you have to be trained. And I want to talk to you this last part about training spiritual soldiers. When a soldier is trained, let's talk a little bit about training. I started thinking about this yesterday. And what does training consist of? Well, when training physical soldiers, like in the Army or in the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, what you're trying to do is transform citizens into soldiers. And I've heard from firsthand accounts, people that right now actually are serving, how in boot camp they kick any little bit of you left and you start being trained and to understand that you operate as a team. You operate as a team and now you're no longer mama's boy. You are a soldier of the United States Army. One of the things that training does, it makes you grow up. Another thing that training does is it prepares you for combat. A third thing that I thought that training does is it gives you familiarity and it helps you practice with the tools of war. When somebody goes into training, you know, they teach you how to use a weapon. If you're going to be in combat, they teach you how to, how to use all the equipment that people that go to combat need to use. Here's the problem and the difference between a physical fight, like when the United States goes to war or whatnot, as opposed to a spiritual fight. A spiritual fight, you don't have to wait for a war to start because the war is on. You probably didn't know it was going on, but you're in the middle of a war. 
from the minute you were born, you were in the middle of a war between good and evil, between God and evil forces of Satan. There is a war constantly on us. There's a war for souls. There's a war for your devotion, for your heart, for your worship. So your training must be constant, not seasonal, nor circumstantial. Sometimes we're willing to go into this training and start allowing God to prepare us as soldiers of Christ as long as everything is going well in our lives. But here's the thing. You can't train on the fly. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant. When it says be sober, it means be alert. In Spanish, it's the word velad, which means be like a watchtower, be watching out, be sober, be alert. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And one thing about saying our adversary is that he is patient. He'll wait for one day that you're weak and you're unfocused and one day could cause you your entire life. And we've seen this. We've seen ministries even collapse because a pastor that is a man of God, has a calling of God because he was distracted one day, he made a mistake, and all his credibility went out the window because of one day and one mistake. Let's not talk about ministry or pastors. Your own life. We need to be watchful. We need to constantly be alert. How many say amen? And vigilant. It's our duty. This is a battle we're in. It's a battle for our soul. It's a battle for our city. Now, obviously, we have the champion on our side. But that's why God says be vigilant. Be watchful. And what I want to do today is give you some pointers so that you're sure to pass this training. And I want you to write, if you're writing, the word pass, but don't spell it the way you're used to spelling it. P-A-A-S. P-A-A-S. And I'm going to start with the letter P. The first thing you need to have when you pass this training is you need to be able to pray. That's your first weapon. Everybody say pray. Pray, pray man. You could do all the right things. You could, you could live in church, but if you don't pray, you're out of it. Because praying is your connection to God. It's how you connect to him. It's how God speaks to you. It's how God warns you. It's how God directs you. It's how God protects you. This is your lifeline. It's the first thing you start, or you should start, after you become a Christian. How many say amen? I mean, when I wanted to start a relationship with my wife because I liked her and I was attracted to her, I needed to talk to her. Unless you know sign language and you like somebody that, you know. But that's a method of communication. But there has to be spoken word you know sometimes in church you know we're like come on guys this is a time right here and the holy spirit is taking over the meeting and let's cry out to god and 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 you don't hear that many people speak you hear people like this and you can so tell that they're not used to this because what you do here in church is a reflection of what you do when you're alone in your house and the same way you're like this in church it's because you're like that at home but prayer is the first key so that you could become a victorious warrior. Let's go to Matthew 26, 41. Instead of being sober, now it says watch. Again, be alert. Make sure you're seeing. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. You know why sometimes you fall into temptation? You don't pray. 
Because the Bible says if you don't want to get or fall into temptation, pray. The first thing or the first consequence from a person that doesn't have a prayer life is that they fall into temptation. Different kinds, but you're not strong enough to endure temptation. But God is telling us here, and this is the first of four things we need to do to pass this training, right? It's to pray. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Now, it continues saying the spirit indeed is willing. That's why some of you guys right now sitting down and saying, I need to pray more. Because the spirit is willing. And here, you know, we've already, for an hour, we've been worshiping. We've been declaring the word. You came here. You made the effort to get dressed up, come from home. You could have been in so many places. So you're giving God an opportunity, and God is speaking to you. And you respond to that. Your spirit responds to that. I want to connect with that. I need to know God more. I need to connect with God more. I need to seek his face. I, I can't continue at this level that I am. I need to take my prayer life to another level. But here's the problem. The flesh is weak. You get up tomorrow morning and you're sleepy with all your eye boogers and you snooze and you say, I'm going to sleep 30 minutes in because I'm tired because I went to church last night. And you blame it on God, right? It's because of you, God, that I don't pray. And you know what? Your prayer life suffers and you dare to go outside where the roaring lion or he who is like a roaring lion because he's not a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he is watching and he's waiting for you to have a day. And that's how he starts bombarding you with news, right? Or in whatever area you're weak, he starts tempting you. And because you didn't strengthen yourself, not only don't you have direction on that day with respect to the decisions you need to make, how you should grab a hold of faith if you're going through a certain circumstance, but you're weak to overcome temptation. So everybody say, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Don't ever pray, Lord, I pray that this battle between my flesh and my spirit will be over. No, you know what? As long as you will be alive, you will have that battle. And you need to make sure that you overcome that battle. Pastor can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. Your HOB leader can't do it for you. That's a battle that you have to win. Because otherwise, you're going to fail. And you're going to always be falling down. Now, the grace of God lifts us up. And when we sin, he pardons us. But who wants to spend their whole life just falling down and getting up and never getting anywhere? That's not the purpose. So God comes and he shows you and he says, I want to use you. I want to use you as a prophet to the nations. I want to use you to, to save your family. I want to use you to speak to the people in your school, to be able to show the power of God, to heal the sick, to do all these things. I don't doubt that there's people here that have callings to be a pastor. And callings to do amazing things in the name of Jesus. Giftings that God has placed in you. But because you don't connect with God, well, the thing, your spirit is willing. And you come to church and you want to respond. But you know what? Your flesh is too weak. And you never get to actually do something about it. So instead of passing, what do you do? You fail your training. The second thing I want to talk to you, represented by an A, is attend. Everybody say attend. And I'm not talking about sporadically or conditionally. Because sometimes our attendance to church is, well, if I have time, if I can. What does that mean? Sometimes we forget that among the Ten Commandments, there's, there was one that said, thou shalt keep the Sabbath. And I'm not talking about Saturdays not even turning on the light switch. 
But I'm talking about one day a week, the first day of the week, Sunday, that's God's day. That's no compromise. Unless you are in the hospital, or unless you're very sick, I understand that. Or unless you're on vacation, I take vacations too. If not, I am in the house of God. This is my place. I'm going to attend. I'm going to worship God with all my heart. And I'm going to be somebody that in the spirit, I'm going to fight because there's going to be people that are going to come to that same meeting that need Jesus. So when we're praying at the end, I'm going to be interceding. I know my place. I know why I'm here. How many say amen? Everybody say attend. Not sporadically, not conditionally, but devoted. First out of obedience and then everything else. Allowing God to speak to you, meditating on his word, serving others. All these things work in your favor to bring favor of God for the rest of your week. If I give God radically, I'm talking about radically, and I've been taught this since I was a kid. If I come every single Sunday, I know that the rest of my week is going to be blessed. If I give God my first fruits, you guys remember in the Old Testament? But God says, in everything, if I give God the first fruit of my week, I know two, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is going to be blessed because I honored God and I gave him not of what was left over, but what is costly. Because sometimes it costs to come to, come to church, right? Let's be honest. Sometimes there's other things that you want to do or sometimes you're just lazy. And you're like, man, I just, I had a tough, I was moving all day Saturday. And now Sunday and Monday I got to go back to work and now I could just stay here and relax and sleep in it. But no, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor God. It's a decision. Everybody say attend. Tell the person next to you it's part of the training. It's part of the training. Apostle Paul tells Timothy in one of his letters, he says, look, don't be like certain people that they stop congregating. They have bad habits of not congregating. We can't fall in that same mistake. Amen? It helps keep you grounded. You come to church, you receive of the word, you worship God, you honor him. The third thing I want to talk to you about the training, we've talked about praying. P for pray, A for attend, another A for apply. Everybody say apply. And let's go to James chapter 1, verse 21. James 1, 21. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. The word of God, every time you come to church, every time you open it in your devotional time, at home, at school, in your break, at your job, it's an implanted word. It's like a seed you plant. God is speaking to you and he's sowing something into your heart. Amen? And you should receive it with meekness. Meekness means humbleness, humility, which is able to save your souls. But then it says, it goes on further, be doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, there's a lot of people that they hear the word, but when it gets to doing, they don't get to doing. But you know what? That's not going to produce any fruits in your life. God calls us to be doers. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, he, he looks at himself in the mirror, and then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. I mean, that's kind of odd, right? 
If you just finished seeing yourself in the mirror and then you walked out and you forgot, something's wrong. And sometimes we come to church and we read the word and we say amen and God challenges us in different areas of our life, but then we walk out of church and like if nothing, forget. While we were at church, our spirit is convicted the Holy Spirit spoke to us, and sometimes we even respond in a positive way. We come to the altar call, and we say, God, help me, I want to do this. But then when it comes to being doers, you can't push through, and you don't complete the cycle. And then it says here, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, everybody say, I need to continue in it. Not just look to it, you need to continue in it. What you receive here, you need to continue at home. What you receive here, you need to put it and apply it where you work. You need to apply it to your life, at your house, in everything you do. There's some people that are great Christians in the church, but then you spend a week over their house and Jesus, who they? Completely opposite. So he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one, everybody say this one, will be blessed in what he does. Come on. Anybody here want to be blessed by God? It's clear here, if you read it carefully, that it's not just about hearing the word. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it. Run with it. Obey it, right? Make it your standard. When God tells you something, when God speaks to you in a morning service, in a JTP church service, when you start your day with a devotion and you read and you say, let me open up the notes from JTP church last night. And you start your Monday morning going over the stuff and reading and maybe God takes you to another verse that has to do with that same topic and God's working in your life. Now apply it. Yeah. Amen. Sometimes we come here and we say, yeah, man, I, gotta, I haven't brought anybody to Christ, much less the church all year. I need to do something about it. But you know what? Monday, you start and that's it. You forget about it. And then it's not until next Sunday, if you come, that you're reminded. And again, you, but God wants you to start walking in his truth, in his strength, in his power. God has equipped you to be all that you could be, to be a response to this society. Anybody say amen? Anybody out there? So we have to be doers and not just hearers. Do the things he tells you to do and stay away from the things he tells you to stay away from. Amen? And last but not least, to finish our training and to pass our training, we need to study. Everybody say study. And we're going to go to John chapter 5, verse 37, as we finish off. John 5, 37 to 40, it says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. Now, Jesus is telling these people, look, I, I am the one that God sent, but you don't, you don't see it because you're not receiving me. You study the scriptures, and he, he's telling these people that they're doing things the wrong way. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it's true. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Jesus is telling them this. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. In verse 15 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, Be diligent 
to present yourself approved to God. Everybody say approved. I used to watch a program, a financial program called Susie Orman. I don't know if you guys ever seen Susie Orman. And then she used to have a segment. People will call in and they'll tell her, look, I want to buy a cruise to go on the cruise with my wife and my family. Can I afford it? That's what it was called. Can I afford it? When you called, you had to give her all your numbers. She says, well, I have no debt. I, make, I take home $7,600 a month, for example, and I do this and I do that. And, I, and you give her all your financial situation, and she says, approved or denied? She denied almost everybody. <laughs> On the screen, it was a big, fat approved. And the Bible says that God approves us. He, he wants us to be people that are approved by God. You know, sometimes we approve ourselves. And there are a lot of people that would call in the show and they would think that with flying colors they would get approved for whatever they wanted to buy or whatever they wanted to do. And all of a sudden she would put a big denied, bang, denied. And they were like, oh, are you serious? Why? But I make good money. But yeah, but you have credit card debt, but you have this, but you have. And sometimes we think that we're approved before God. But have you asked God if you are approved? As it says here, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Talking about studying. You need to know the word. You need to make sure you know the word. So that not any fool will come to you at your job and start telling you about, you know, some weird doctrine or trying to convert you to the Jehovah Witness. You need to know why you're not a Jehovah Witness. And you need to know why you're grounded on your faith. You need to know how to divide the word of truth. How many say amen? amen? The Bible encourages us to study the word of God. It never tells us to read the word of God. We need to study it. Study is getting deep into it. Not just saying, oh, I'm going to read a chapter a day. I'm going to read the Bible in a year. I remember I did that when I was... When I was young, I've done it like two or three times, but the first time I did it, I must have been 15, 16, and I followed the whole schedule, and I would read two chapters of the Old Testament, one chapter of the New Testament every day, and I'm, I felt so good about myself. The first month, I was already done through Genesis and Exodus and Matthew and Mark. And my dad would ask me, and what did you get out of it? I don't know, but I read it. <laughs> Feel good about it. What good does that do you? It's just words. I'd rather you read just one verse but apply it and ask God for it to be life unto you and for you to walk on it and apply it and not just be a hearer, but a doer. If I read that God has called me with a huge purpose and he will never let me down and he will be with me every day to the end of the world, I don't care what obstacles come my way because I am grounded on that word and I know that God's going to see me through. Therefore, I'm not going to stop serving God. On the contrary, because I know the end result, I'm going to serve God even more. I'm not just going to be a hearer. I'm going to be a doer, and I'm going to be a soldier of God, knowing that there's people that are waiting for me to stand up and be who God called me to be for their sake, for their salvation. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. JTP, this is a training you can't afford not to pass or even delay. The time is today. The time is now. I'm going to ask you guys to stand on your feet if somebody can help me on the keys.